following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. I hope that you uh, will enjoy the services today. We are uh, blessed to have uh, visiting friends uh, from the mission field again today. Uh, two weeks in a row, that's not usual for us, is it? But uh, it's good, yeah. So Dan and Liz Thompson are here with us, and uh, we actually figured out that they were here at the church before they were married, right? Uh, over 20 years ago, 21 years ago, uh, just for one meeting at one of our missions conferences when uh, Terry and Carol were here. And they were nearby. So I had thought they have not, not ever been to the church before, but that was not quite true. So, uh, but things are a little different 21 years later. So we'll, uh, we'll say it's a fresh and new in- reintroduction to, uh, to the uh, church here and for us to know them. So Dan and Liz have served for many years in Chile, and I have stayed with them in their home and on the campsites that they, uh, the campsite that they uh, managed and uh, were stewarding for Gospel Mission of South America. And so it's a delight for us to have them here with us and to share hospitality back to them uh, in our home. Um, but they, so they were in Chile. Uh, they don't give you any clues there on the title slide, but they're moving somewhere else now. Well, they're trying to move somewhere else now. So you'll hear all about that, I'm sure, in this uh, presentation this morning. But let's pray uh, to begin our service, and then we'll enjoy that report for the rest of this session. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, grateful are we to be able to be here this morning, to be well enough to be here, to be of uh, mind, uh, spiritual desire to come. And Lord, we pray that we'll be edified and strengthened in this service now and in the one to come later this morning. Lord, for those who are not able to be here this morning, we commend them into your care and pray whether they're not feeling well or they're traveling or, or whatever the case is, we commit them to you, especially those are our church family members who are dear to us. And perhaps there are others who would have come or Perhaps some will visit later this morning, and we pray that they will, you will bring them safely and that uh, under your providential care, they may hear the word and be convicted about some aspect or another that is relevant to their life uh, this day. We pray again your blessing. Thank you for each one who is here today. May you be honored above all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Brother Dan, if you would come, we'll give you the balance of the time. You can take until a little after 10.30. Feel free. Uh, Normally we end around 10.30, but we've gotten started a little bit late, so take a few minutes after that if you want, okay? All right, yes. Good morning. I heard this section, but there's more people over here. Good morning. morning. It is good to be with you. Uh, You get two Dannys in a row. As far as missionaries go, Danny Vallette and uh, Dan Thompson, but it is good to be here. It doesn't seem possible when you start talking about decades ago having been here, and I don't feel old enough to say that 20-some years ago we were here visiting, uh, but it must be true if that's what the date was. 
I want to share a little bit about our family. Uh, my name's Dan, like I said, my wife Liz. Can wave. <clears throat> we have Matthias and Madeline. And it's part of the crew. Uh, one stayed home today at the uh, pastor's house. She has a cold and was doing a little bit of coughing. So for everyone else's sake, she stayed there. And uh, our oldest, Micah, is working at Alpine Bible Camp in West Virginia for the summer. He's between his uh, freshman and sophomore year at the college there. So that's the Thompson family. And uh, as you look at the, the slide, I want to share a little bit about who we are and what the Lord has done in our lives. And uh, we get certain questions quite frequently, and you get them all over the place. We were at uh, an Olive Garden a while ago, uh, eating out, and uh, the waitress, of course, trying to make very simple conversation, asked us a certain question that uh, you just really, really struggle with answering. And we're going to, in a way to let you get to know us better, go through some of these questions that we often get. And uh, the first one is, where are you from? That's a very difficult question for missionaries, and it's a very difficult question for missionary kids, uh, both of which myself and my wife are uh, missionary kids and now missionaries. A little bit about me. You can't just say, well, I'm from such and such a place because you have to give the whole backstory as to why you were born and raised in such and such a place. That is uh, me, the smallest there. I had the privilege of being born into a missionary family. Uh, for those of you that know my parents, uh, my dad there with the pretty style and, uh, yeah, um, sports coat on. Uh, I was born in Chile and raised in the southern part of Chile, uh, off the coast of Chile, down... If you land in the middle of it, which is Santiago, you go about 18, 20 hours south of that. There's a group of islands off the coast of Chile. My parents had a ministry that they would travel from island to island with the boat ministry, um, holding evangelistic services and campaigns, seeking to reach the people of those isolated islands. I was born into that context. I was raised in that context. And growing up in a missionary family, you hear... Uh, the gospel, the good news, every single Sunday. I think the Sunday after I was born, for sure, I was in church and didn't miss any after that unless it was a matter of life and death that you would miss. So I heard the gospel from a very young age. And uh, my parents obviously had a great interest in me hearing it and believing and accepting it. One of the good things about working with kids in particular is the older we get, uh, we get a little bit more hesitant with the fact that we have faults or sin, as the Bible calls it. But when you're talking with a little kid, it's pretty easy to convince them that they are sinners indeed. Uh, when I was confronted with sins of lying or hitting my brother or stealing cookies, uh, there wasn't any need to pretend that I wasn't that person. And uh, it was one day helping my mom uh, make a bed. We had a guest bedroom. Uh, in our home, and she got to asking me about my condition and my sin and my need for a Savior, and at the age of five, uh, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. I wasn't leaving behind a lifetime of sin and guilt and looking back and being able to say I saw a great change in my life, 
But I did know for sure that I had my ticket to heaven. Uh, there was an old kid's song talking about the gospel train, and you want to have your ticket for the gospel train. And uh, what I did in my mind was I had the ticket, now I'm good to go. And grew up in church with my family being pretty much just getting by with what I had to get by to be a good missionary kid in, in my home. No real desire to grow, no great personal relationship with God, no drive in what I could do for God. I was just okay with having my ticket and knowing I was saved and just kind of skating through life. Ended up finishing high school and having that great challenge of what do you do with your life now. The only thing I knew was missionary life, and I knew for sure I didn't want to be a missionary. So I wasn't really sure what to do. And my parents wisely encouraged us, I'm not saying forced, but uh, it really wasn't an option, to do one year of Bible school before doing anything else. If we wanted to go on and study something else later, they were okay with that, but they wanted us to do one year of Bible school. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, so I said, okay, I'll do that. Ended up going up to Northland Baptist Bible College, Dunbar, Wisconsin, frozen tundra, surrounded by cheese heads. Uh, really wasn't sure what I was doing up there other than doing one year because that's what they asked me to do. And I got there. I hadn't really even looked through the handbook. I'm going through the registers line, and they say, uh, what is your major going to be? And I said, that's a very good question. What are the majors? I, I had no idea. So they gave me the handbook, and I start flipping through. And they had a missions major, and I kind of said, no, I know all that stuff. And they had a pastoral major, and I said, I don't want to be a pastor. So I kept flipping education majors, and I'm like, I, I'm not big on school, so I don't want to do that to anyone else. And uh, finally get to the back, and there's a camp ministries major. And I kind of get flipping, like, camp ministries. Like, this is a thing, a major. This is interesting. And I flip through it, and I get to the point where I realize that it's one of the easier majors they had. It had some great electives that sounded like a lot of fun. And I decided that day right there that I would be a camp ministries major. I was basically flipping a coin, but God was directing which way that coin landed. And God was using the steps of obedience and honoring my parents with going to Bible school to get me where he wanted me to be in life. Uh, one year turned into two years, and after two years, I basically had a summer-long fight and battle with God, uh, trying to convince him that I could do what I wanted to do and still please him, and him working in my heart and my life, leading me back to a third and a fourth year of Bible school. And I knew if I went back for those last two years of Bible school that it was going to be full-time service of some kind. And uh, it was quite a struggle that summer until finally I surrendered what was my will and said, I'll go back. I don't know what it means. And uh, the Lord had many things prepared to get me to where I am today because of that surrender at that point. So we go from that to that. That is the Thompson tribe now. Uh, my brother and sister both also serving in Chile, South America with the mission alongside my parents. This was a few years ago uh, in Uruguay. So uh, the Lord used my family and my life to get me to where I'm at. So where am I from? Uh, Chile. I've lived in the U.S. Uh, a little bit of all over. We've been back in Chile. Complicated question. Uh, when my wife gets the question, you can all 
revel in that picture for a while. It's not dated at all. Uh, when my wife gets the question, she struggles with it. She was actually born in Michigan, uh, about two hours north of here. Uh, she's a Michigander, but she didn't ever really live here. Uh, her parents moved to France as missionaries when she was two years old, and she grew up in France. So when I met her, uh, she was French all the way, and this was up at uh, Northland Baptist Bible College also, and it was the year or the summer, the year after the summer I decided to go back and finish my two years we met. Uh, her story is very similar, grew up in a Christian home, and she was in France knowing that her parents were there to give the good news of Jesus to the French people who were lost, and it was one day during a family devotion that she understood and realized that it wasn't just the French people that needed the gospel, but that she needed the gospel. She was saved that day and went on with the desire to serve the Lord. Uh, when we met, she was in Bible school, studying biblical counseling, getting ready to go back single to France to help with church planning. And I was heading toward South America to work with camp ministries. So I uh, guess which one went out. We ended up in South America. This is Liz's uh, parents. Uh, we were able to visit a few years ago. Uh, the kids don't get to see the grandparents very often because of being spread out geographically. Uh, her parents just uh, this year will be moving back after almost 40 years in France serving uh, back to Greenville, uh, Grand Rapids area, retiring from uh, the ministry in France. And we were just up there with her mom, helping her get uh, the house they're retiring into set up for them. And uh, it's a privilege. So when you get the question, where are you from? You kind of just freeze. You get the deer in the headlights look. And uh, you move on to the second question, which you say, well, maybe this is easier. Where do you live? If you can't explain the where you're from because it's too long of a process, where do you live? That's simple, right? For most people, it would be pretty simple. When we get that question now, which is what the waitress asked us uh, a week or so ago, she says, kind of the where you're from, and we kind of blanked out, and she moved on to where do you live. Uh, we don't really live anywhere at this point. Uh, the Lord had us from 2007 to uh, just March of this year at uh, the Camp Licandray in Chile, South America. Uh, the Lord called us there to work with the ministry, camp ministry, that had been pretty much abandoned for quite a few years in the process of rebuilding it. And a little bit kind of as pictures go, this is our arrival date in Chile in 2007. Uh, we arrived on Matthias's birthday. Uh, he was four years old. It made it really easy to remember every year uh, how many years we'd been in Chile. We arrived to the southern part of Chile. This is uh, near where we were at. That's our volcano. We, we staked our claim to it. That is not our lake. That's another lake next to our lake. We have a, another lake bigger than that, which uh, the camp is on. Uh, we grew up, and the kids grew up calling everything their own. Lord called us to the camp ministry, and uh, many things happened throughout the years that the Lord allowed us to see. Uh, but the primary focus was taking a place and turning it into what would effectively be a ministry, reaching people at different stages. The, the camp verse and the theme for the camp verse uh, was growing in Christ uh, out of Second Peter. 
And the purpose of everything we did uh, throughout the years on camp was to get and help people grow in Christ. So whether it was campers coming, whether it was the staff we worked with, whether it was volunteers coming through throughout the year, helping on different construction projects, which there were quite a few of throughout the years. The purpose was to seek to encourage uh, through the word uh, to grow in Christ. And uh, the Lord allowed us to see that throughout the years. Uh, Our goal, very simplistic when we went, was to get the camp up and running, train up a national director, and be able to turn it over. And we thought maybe five to ten years that should be doable. Uh, The Lord had us there beyond that, knowing that his timing was perfect. And there were many things that we ended up having to uh, work through to overcome. Uh, Liz, through her counseling uh, that she'd studied, was able to work a lot with the staff girls that uh, came throughout the summers. Uh, Those uh, interactions of growth and discipleship would continue throughout the year also, um, seeking to encourage them to Uh, Follow the Lord, serve the Lord, and love him more. We were also involved with work in the local churches. Uh, If you can kind of picture where we were at, uh, hills, lakes, volcanoes, a very remote part of Chile. When the missionaries went in years ago, uh, they started many small preaching points. And it was similar to what uh, uh, America would have been here maybe 200 years ago where people walked or rode horses. So you had lots of smaller churches close together, and they relied on a circuit-riding preacher kind of idea. Uh, The churches in in our area were very similar. They weren't very far apart. They were many small churches kind of dotting the landscape, and uh, they didn't have full-time pastors. So uh, shortly after arriving to work with camp ministry, we were asked if we could help kind of oversee and pastor some of these churches in the hills and the mountains of the area where we lived. So during the years that we were there, we were in five uh, of these smaller churches, not all at the same time. Uh, I think the most we were visiting at one point were three of the small churches, and you would kind of rotate Sundays, uh, somewhere once a month, somewhere every Sunday, uh, preaching and encouraging uh, the people in the area. And it was a blessing to be part of that ministry. It was a blessing to be able to serve, not just in the camp ministry, but also in the church in the area. Uh, Probably one of the most difficult things about having left this year uh, was saying goodbye to a lot of those people in those country churches uh, who were very near and dear to us. Uh, Like I said, lots of work projects throughout the years that we were there. Uh, There's someone sitting in the back right there by the live stream, who uh, also was down for a couple days to help us out. Uh, Funny story there was he was so quiet at that point. uh, He was part of a team that came down for two days. They were with us. He was so quiet, we didn't even get to know him. And uh, we meet him two years later and, and walk up to him and say, hey, it's nice to meet you finally. We've heard so much about you. And he tells us, well, I was down at your camp. And we kind of go, oh, yeah, he's in all the pictures. That's right. Uh, but we didn't meet him, but uh, he was down there helping on some projects. This is the small church next to where we lived, the Licanrai Church that uh, we had the privilege of serving in and getting to know. Uh, the last year, the Lord had different plans, as you all know, with COVID. Um, we were only able to meet a couple times throughout the course of all of last year. And since December of last year to this point, they haven't met again. 
And uh, because of communication being difficult and no options for live stream, uh, it's very limited and difficult, a ministry that can continue. So kind of maybe on a side note, but uh, prayer requests for the churches in those areas that don't have the means to stay in touch with Zoom or live stream and uh, that they would also be encouraged that they would not fall by the wayside in their faith and in their attendance and that the Lord would open up the door uh, for them to be able to meet in person again. Uh, very important. The Lord allowed us to see the camp ministry grow from just a place to people loving the ministry, to people coming and eagerly hearing the word being preached and taught. Uh, the Lord allowed us to see young people come through as campers, then as staff, and then go on to Bible Institute and be trained up and are currently serving as pastors. And uh, what a privilege to see and be allowed to see that process and be part of that. Uh, we are called to serve, but the Lord doesn't guarantee that we will see fruit. We are called to be faithful in what we are called to do. And, uh, but when he allows us to see fruit, it is a great privilege and pleasure to see that. Uh, some of the work that was done, uh, most things, this is uh, baptism. I was uh, able to baptize uh, our oldest son uh, shortly before he went off to Bible school as part of uh, baptisms of one of the small country churches. Uh, that is lake water that was not heated. That was quite cold, uh, but at least it wasn't the rivers that are glacier-fed. So it was a step up from what it could have been. But uh, joyous occasion, and uh, when they have baptisms there, it's a full-day event. Um, normally, meat is grilled. You have lunch. You have all day of eating and fellowship and talking and quite long services to go along with that, and you plan on spending your whole day. It's a real celebration as they take that step of faith. Some of the pictures of the ministry, the work, and the teams, the Lord allowed us uh, to see beyond what we expected, which was to train up a national the Lord allowed us to leave the camp with two families, national families, trained up, working together as a team in the camp ministry. The Lord sped that process up. <clears throat> we kind of thought and assumed we had maybe a few more years left still, and he brought the people in, and we said, okay, we understand, and got ready and then to leave them in charge. They are currently running the ministry and continuing on, and we're amazed at how the Lord brought that about uh, going from being told that the camp could never support a full-time director to now having two families supported by the camp, carrying on the ministry, and seeking to continue helping others take another step spiritually and grow in Christ. As of choice in our country churches, uh, you can really get the volume out with that accordion and help leading. So anyone recognize anyone in that picture? <clears throat> He's petting the dog over there. That was our dog, our dog Lisa. Pretty young guy, no beard, clean cut, clean shaven. So there's proof that he actually was down there. Uh, we had to look back at the pictures. Yes, he was actually there. We got to meet him. We're thankful for the teams that came down throughout the years and did work. This is your average college and career camp, time of fellowship. This is the church we ministered at. <clears throat> some of the work in rebuilding cabins, uh, bathhouse, kitchens. Uh, the last project uh, we did was building a chapel for the camp. 
This was a family the Lord allowed us to baptize the whole family uh, 2019, right before everything shut down. So the first was 2007 when we arrived, and this is wrapping up our time at the camp. The kids had changed. We added one extra one along the way there. She's our Chilean-born baby. So why is it difficult then to be asked that question of where do you live? Because we're no longer in Chile. Uh, We decided to take a transition in this time before moving on to a ministry, a similar ministry in Uruguay. So if you can kind of picture South America, Chile is the long skinny one next to Argentina on the Pacific coast. And just above Argentina, sandwiched between big Argentina and big Brazil, is the tiny little country of Uruguay on the Atlantic coast of South America. The Lord has called and moved for our family to go. We took this time uh, as a transition from March to April was the plan, and uh, we were going to come to the States, visit some churches, and then move on to Uruguay to continue the camp ministry there that we'd been to. These are just some pictures of the camp. It's uh, very different than what we're used to on the Chilean side of things. Uh, the typical question for missionaries, do you have lots of bugs and snakes and that kind of stuff? And the case in Chile for years was no. You guys actually have more bugs and creepy crawlies here than we did in Chile. Chile's pretty bug-free, uh, no venomous snakes, none of that kind of thing. Coming back to the States was always scary because you guys have all kinds of stuff here that you have to watch out for. That was the case with Chile. Now we're going to Uruguay, and in Uruguay we'll be able to tell very good missionary stories now. It's not like boring Chile with no bugs. Uruguay has all the bugs, has all the snakes, has the piranhas in the river right next to the camp, all that great stuff. Uh, It'll be quite a change for the family as he takes us there. Someone heard piranhas back there. These are some of the facilities Uh, The ministry is basically the same that the Lord called us to, is going to a camp that has not been functioning well for the last few years, building it up to minister to people, training up national leadership, and getting it to the point where they can sustain that national leadership as a ministry, and then move on to what God would have us next. We don't know how long it takes. The first time we thought it would be quick, and now we're ready to just say however long the Lord has us there to see that goal met, we will be there. We will also serve with the churches in that area and uh, see how the Lord can use us to encourage those churches and build up the ministry in Uruguay. Leads us to the last question. And this is the one that we get stumped on at this point. Uh, We thought in our mind that we would come back to the States, do March, April, by that point, we would be allowed to go into Chile. Borders are closed into Uruguay. Borders are closed uh, with most South American countries. You have to be a resident or a citizen to be able to get in. We are neither of those for Uruguay. Obviously, April and May have gone by. We are now in July, and we still don't have any word as to when we will be allowed into Uruguay. So of the three questions, this is probably the most frustrating at this point. Uh, Wanting to go serve the Lord, ready to, um, expecting to have gone a couple months ago, and yet the Lord still has us here because the door hasn't opened to Uruguay. Uh, We've gone through three times 
requesting uh, an exception to go in, which they do. Uh, those three times either have been rejected or have gone nowhere, just kind of gotten lost in the paperwork and the shuffle. And at this point, we're basically having to wait till uh, the COVID restrictions in Uruguay come down and they open up borders uh, for tourism, which is what we would go in as and then get our, our residents. So the, the hardest question and probably the most frustrating question at this point of those three is this last one. When are you going? And the simple answer is we don't know other than when the Lord allows us to go. And uh, if we could leave a prayer request today, it's, it's that the Lord would grant us the peace to be here while we're here and the, the certainty that we are still in his will because he has not allowed us to go and that at the same time he would also very quickly open the doors for us to go to Uruguay, which is what, what we desire, to be able to go, get settled in, learn a new culture, get to know a new people, and then be able to serve the Lord as we have in Chile, now in the country of Uruguay. So if we could leave that prayer request with you, um, that we would not be frustrated, that we would not seek to run ahead. We have uh, humanly tried everything possible to get in, and every time the Lord has closed the doors. It it got to the point even where, uh, not being funny, but just kind of... uh, crying out to the Lord. We, we met a Uruguayan family at a church in Florida, and they said, you know, Uruguay is a really small country. We know everyone, basically, everyone knows everyone or has some kind of a connection. And we explained our situation, and they go, oh, that's, that's really easy. Our cousin works with the minister of the interior of the country, and he can pull some strings, and he can do some stuff. So we're like, this is great. This is how the Lord is going to get us in. Sent them all our paperwork. We see them the next Sunday, and they kind of go, you know, we have some bad news. And we're like, oh, we got rejected. They go, no, the minister of the interior died of a heart attack this week. And we kind of went, well, I guess the Lord's not going to use that to get us in, which meant the Lord is still in control. The Lord still has a time, and we can rest that he will open the door when the time comes for that. So if, if we could just have you pray that uh, we would be okay with the timing, and that also the Lord could speed up the timing for us to be able to go serve. When are we going? When the Lord opens the door. When is that? We don't know, but we're ready to go when he does. wanted to open it up. Just uh, We have a little bit of time. If there's some questions, I was trying to go through a whole bunch of years really quick of ministry and uh, personal history, but if there's some specific questions that we could answer, myself, my wife, that uh, you would like, we can open that up now for that. Yes? Um, who comes to the camp? Is it the, the churches that are around primarily <clears throat> use the camp facilities like in Uruguay that you're trying to get going? That would be the case. We would reach out to, first of all, the fellowship of churches that we work with, and then beyond that, it's right on the border with Argentina, and there's uh, Uruguay River divides where you can see the bridge where you cross into Argentina from the camp. And uh, we're hoping to be able to reach out into Argentina also and draw from uh, like-minded churches on that side of the river as well as as Uruguay. Uh, One of the neat things in Uruguay in the past has been that um, they're very open to go, and this is the people in general, unchurched people, uh, are very open to go to camp. Uh, They're very much about outdoors and recreation, Uh, kind of mentality they're not so much so about going to church 
it's very difficult to get them to step through the doors of a church. Uh, very atheistic country, very agnostic, very anti-religion in general, not hostile toward it, just not interested in it. And uh, one of the things we hope to be able to uh, recuperate is that uh, draw of getting unsaved people coming into camp uh, from the area in particular and being able to share the gospel with them because they're open to come to a week of camp and hear the gospel and uh, yet they have those difficulties of, of maybe wanting to go to a church or even entering a church just because of the, the cultural stigma that a church may have. So the churches, but also a focus in Uruguay with the unsaved. <clears throat> They're all Spanish. Uh, they have different accents, and they change out words. So it would be like uh, going from here to England. You would understand most everything they're saying. They're going to throw in a few different phrases, and they're going to say it in a slightly different way. But we will have to learn a new accent, and we will have to learn a new vocabulary. Um, there are some words that pop up that you shouldn't say that are commonplace in the other countries that they don't translate well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just we're going to have to learn uh, not all over, but definitely learn uh, a different dialect and a different vocabulary in, in going to Uruguay. Any other questions? What's that? We're just hanging out here. Uh, the Lord has allowed us to visit different churches the first part of our uh, transition. So uh, March and April visited some churches. We were expecting the Lord to open it up, so we ended up back in, in Fort Lauderdale where the mission headquarters is, helping out with different projects there. And then upon realizing that the door wasn't opening, uh, we decided to make this trip, uh, visit some family, visit some more of our supporting churches, and uh, seek to stay active while we're here and forever, however long that may be. I think that's probably the hardest part is, is knowing, knowing what to do uh, with the time here. And uh, we just want to continue serving in whatever way we can while we're here. The climate where we're at in Chile is similar to Washington State, so Pacific. Uh, lots of rain, uh, cold, damp, wet. The summers are pretty mild. Uruguay is kind of like Georgia. Uh, hot, humid uh, summers. Uh, we've been there in the past with about 120 degrees, high humidity. And then the winters are very short. Uh, you will get frost, but it might be one week or two weeks of it, and that's it. And so your spring is pretty long, and your fall is pretty long. Your summer is a couple weeks of just absolutely brutal. You just try to make it through it. Pastor Matt's been down there during those times where you just kind of sit around and kind of hope that the day ends soon <laughs> so you can get through it. So it'll be a very different climate experience for our family also. They do. That's part of the culture. Uh, between lunchtime and about 4 o'clock, nothing happens. 
and then you'll see families up till midnight or two in the morning uh, at the local parks and plazas because that's when it finally cools down to about 90 degrees so you can kind of bear it and they'll stay up most of the night uh, very different very different lifestyle which we will also have to get adjusted to uh, in those naps and late nights yes Dan could you just talk for one or two minutes about philosophy of ministry in the camp as it relates I'm thinking especially at the moment of how it relates to the local churches how you fit as a parachurch organization or ministry um, and maybe if you want to just a little bit about just general philosophy of ministry and how, how you've how you've adapted it or changed it to to what's more a more biblical model well obviously one of the things that camp is not it's not the church and um, the the purpose of the camp um, that we established was to help the churches in uh, growing uh, not in a way of interfering but in giving the young people in particular opportunities to come and serve and learn to serve and uh, we were able to see that throughout the years not with the goal of keeping them but with the goal of then seeing them go back to their churches and more actively serve. And uh, we were able to see that uh, as a philosophy uh, throughout that time. Throughout the years, uh, as people came and then went back to their church, we saw the impact it had on their churches as they got excited about uh, growing, about serving, and then how that changed their churches. Uh, It was was neat to see uh, throughout that time uh, a shift from camp originally being kind of a vacation place uh, to camp being a a very serious place for growth and uh, discipleship in the sense of preparing them uh, for service. So I think as as far as a philosophy of ministry, uh, the idea was to just come alongside. Camp has uh, great things to offer as far as tools uh, that maybe a local church doesn't do, and uh, it's a great tool for that then. Uh, we had young people coming in, and it's just kind of a small example, but Liz uh, would do this quite often. But uh, they, the, the young ladies would come into the kitchen, and they didn't have any kitchen experience. And yet part of what camp did, which uh, doesn't sound like much, but it was teaching them how to peel potatoes and how to chop vegetables and how to work together. And as they did that, it gave Liz opportunity then to start talking about their service to the Lord, their spiritual walk, and something as small as working with them in a kitchen setting and then being able to see them go on. And uh, so many of those young ladies ended up in Bible Institute, and uh, some are pastors' wives now. And it's not because of peeling potatoes, but it's using peeling potatoes as an opportunity to get to talking about uh, things that matter and challenging them to consider serving the Lord more. And uh, it was a direct benefit Uh, to their churches as they then went back and served in that setting. So uh, a great tool. Uh, You can do all kinds of activities that you don't do at church also that are uh, of interest and a draw. Uh, Like I said, in the case of Uruguay, Chile was similar. We had uh, our family camps were our our biggest camps. They'd fill up. And we had many cases where the families had come one year and came the next year and invited unsaved co-workers or unsaved neighbors, and uh, they would never have gone to a church, but they were willing to come 
uh, not knowing, maybe, but for a week of camp where they were getting preached at three times a day. And, uh, again, uh, a direct benefit because then they went back to their communities and followed the families and were able to be plugged into the local churches where they came from. So uh, that was uh, the purpose and the philosophy for it. <clears throat> you want to say that louder? For the benefit of those online, we'll need you to say it so the mic can hear it, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the last um, uh, four or five years, uh, we were able to see pastors uh, bringing, in particular, to family camp their families. And the pastor would call us up and say, I have five families from my church that want to come, and I want to come with them. And it was an opportunity for them to come to our camps, but they would be able to see their pastor, and their pastor would be able to spend a week with them interacting. They would see the growth of that. got to the point uh, last year we were able to have camp where one church ended up using half of our occupancy, and they said, well, next year we can come and we can be the whole camp. Our church will fill the whole thing. We said, no, it's good to have different people to interact a little bit. You don't want it to be just your church. But uh, that was a way the pastors recognized and realized uh, that it was a benefit of them to be able to, to take their people, young people, and their families to, to camp and interact with them and see them growing uh, spiritually. It was a benefit to them. So. Uh, that was in the last few years we were able to finally see that. We have a display table out there. There's some prayer cards uh, there to take and pray. Put them on your fridge, put them on your bulletin board, wherever it is. We ask you to pray for the family. And there's also a sign-up sheet if you would like to receive our monthly updates. Um, just put your name, email on there clearly, and uh, we will add you to that list and uh, send out. I think it's pretty much monthly. We've We've been doing okay with that. We've bunched a couple months together at different times, but uh, we won't flood your inbox, uh, but we do seek to keep you updated on what the Lord is doing through our family. There'll be some family news, ministry news, <clears throat> and generally a challenge uh, within that too, uh, and spiritually. So thank you for the time. Thank you for having us here. Uh, if you have further questions, we will be out by the display table, and uh, you're free to ask those questions. Thank you. Superb job, Dan. Thank you for bringing us up to date on your ministry, introducing our church to what you have been doing. Uh, it's uh, so much better for you to explain than for me to try to explain when I visit and come back and give a report, and it just brings to life what... Uh, what's happening there in Chile and, and soon in Uruguay. Join me in prayer as we close this session. Father in heaven, you know altogether what I'm about to ask before I ask because you know the two requests that were highlighted in this service this morning. First of all, Lord, we want to stand in the gap and intercede for the local churches, the country churches, as our brother called them, the rural churches, the small preaching points that uh, began years and years ago with uh, itinerant ministry. And Lord, that they do not have the benefit of all of the uh, connectivity that we have. They have a situation where 
there were no exceptions made for religious gatherings, at least that I know of, or very few that were functional for them. And so they haven't been able to meet largely for a year and a half. And God in heaven, we don't understand what this could do to a local church because we didn't experience it for a very long time ourselves. We can only imagine what is happening and how people may drift or how people are sitting at home and longing to see their brothers and sisters in Christ and unable to do so because of government restrictions. And so, Father, we call out to you for them and we pray that you would sustain those brothers and sisters and bring them together again soon. Cause them, Lord, to focus uh, in their own homes, the heads of their households especially, to lead as, as it were as the family priest of old, like Job, who cared for the spiritual well-being of his family and even made sacrifice in case his children had blasphemed God in their hearts. Lord, that's our responsibility as leaders in our homes. If we're by ourselves in our homes and we have the responsibility to lead ourselves, those folks there, Lord, have no choice in a sense to farm out the spiritual development work to the pastor or the church when they can't meet. So we call out to you for them. Please provide for them. Help them in every dimension possible. And then, Lord, for the other request highlighted for Dan and Liz and for their children is the whole matter of patience while they wait to see when you would have them to go. And, Lord, we know that there are examples of this even in Scripture. We think of the Apostle Paul seeking to go to the right hand or to the left and the doors were closed by the Spirit of God, being called in a different direction or a different place than he had anticipated. In the meanwhile, Lord, he was waiting and waiting upon you and that's what these folks are doing. And so I pray you'd help them to wait patiently without frustration. Lord, help them to see that the, the providential hand of God is upon them as they visit family and individuals and supporting churches and new churches like this one where they have already been a blessing to me and to my family in our home yesterday and today and also here at the church. We would not want to say that we'd like them to stay back here in the States or be unable to go to Uruguay, but we wouldn't really also trade this experience for that either. And so we thank you for allowing them to be here with us today, and we pray that you would help them to be satisfied in what you have provided for them. There is something in this for them, for the people that they're ministering unto and the people to whom they will minister soon enough. And so, Lord, we commend them to you and to the word of your grace, to your care, to your long-suffering and patience. And, Lord, as you instructed us, when we come to a good, a good God, a Father in heaven who is not like an earthly father who may become impatient or, uh, or be unable to answer the request that is made by his child, you are unlike those things. You are able to answer all the requests that are asked, and you care for us deeply and never sleep or slumber. 
And so we pray that they would have that experience, that, that feeling in, in their hearts as they wait your, 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 your moving hand. We pray now as we uh, pause for a few moments of fellowship, refreshing that we'll be able to come back and, and uh, enjoy a service of worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.